So did you have a wonderful Thanksgiving? Yeah, we certainly did. We had a lovely dinner with good friends, and now we're enjoying all the leftovers. Yum. Sometimes I think that's the best part of Thanksgiving. Now, too, our thoughts are turning to Christmas, which is exactly one month from today. So all of you are ready, right? Your cards are in the mail, your tree is decorated, your presents are bought and wrapped, and your dessert fixings are in the fridge, right? What? They aren't? You mean you mean you need this next month to get ready? I know I do. <laughs> and of course, we all do, right? Those stores have had Christmas displays up for months, and some overachievers have had their Christmas lights up for a couple of weeks. Um, most of us need the next month to get ready for December 25th. And likewise, I would say all of us need the next month to get ready for the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Thank goodness, long ago, the church created a season for just that purpose, the four-week-long season of Advent. Now, most of the time, Advent begins the Sunday after Thanksgiving, which would be this Sunday. But the way this year's calendar worked, we have a Sunday in between the two, a Sunday, if you will, on which to get ready to get ready for Christmas. So let's begin by asking for what or whom are we getting ready? The word Advent is derived from a Latin word that means to come, which implies that something or someone is coming. Of course, we know as Christians that someone is Jesus. Still, the question stands, for whom are we getting ready? Or to put it another way, who is Jesus? Now we're going to spend the season of Advent answering that question, but it is good, I think, to think about it today. And as it happens, today is a special Sunday on the liturgical or church calendar, a Sunday devoted to the concept of Christ as king, and not just any king, but one who is ruler of all the kings on the earth, as it says in our scripture passage, the ultimate king. Because we are fortunate enough to live in a democracy, the concept of king is rather foreign to us. The word evokes images of wealth and splendor, of power, of absolute power. A king has no equal. His authority is unquestionable, and those who are his subjects are submit, expected to submit with, to that authority with total obedience. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not a particularly positive image for me. While we have a president in this country, our Constitution provides checks and balances to keep that person from wielding absolute power, absolute power, and we have the right to question anyone who claims that kind of power. That being the case, what does it mean for us to call Christ king? Just what kind of king is he? The passage that Don read from the book of Revelation offers us some clues and maybe some surprises. It begins with words that we would not necessarily expect to hear from a king. Grace to you and peace. Instead of demanding allegiance, this king offers grace. Instead of speaking as a warrior, this king extends peace. 
And while Christ is named in verse 5 as ruler of the kings of earth, he is first named, described as the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. These references to Jesus' ministry and to his death and resurrection hardly fit the image of a king on a throne. Instead, they describe someone whose life and death point to God and act as a means of redemption. The next words take us even further away from the traditional image of a king. They read, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priest serving his God and Father. This is a king who served as a faithful witness to his God and Father at risk to his own life. This is a king whose love and compassion led him to give up his throne and his life to save us. This is a king who does not demand that we become slaves or subjects, but raises us up to be priests, serving our God in gratitude and joy. This is a king who gives life, and it is for his arrival that we are preparing. Hmm, you may be thinking, I thought we were getting ready for a birth. Well, yes, we are. The season of Advent helps us to prepare for the coming of Christ as a child. However, it also reminds us of the promise that Christ will return again at the end of time, not hidden in a manger, but in glory for all to see. You guys okay? Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> again, nursery downstairs, it's all open to them. That's good. Yeah. This is the reason that I chose to use, again, come you thankful people, people come. Um, you might want to look at it as 694. As some of you may have noticed, the third and fourth verses of that hymn are not about bringing in a harvest of grain, but about the harvest of souls that will take place with Christ's second coming. And you can look at it while I'm talking at you. It's all good. It's interesting to read it in that light. You might also be thinking about the part of this passage in Revelation that says that when Christ comes, all the nations will wail. What does that mean? Well, I don't know exactly, but it helps me to remember that Revelation is not, as many think, a prediction of the future, but was written in and for a time when Christians face persecution from many sides. It serves as a testimony to the ultimate fulfillment of the promises of peace and wholeness and joy for all the earth that have been given to us by the one who is and was and who is to come. If that eventually causes some to wail, well, maybe it's because their purposes don't line up with those promises. Revelation also reminds us that God is even now working within human history to bring those promises to fruition no matter what we see to the contrary. In that hope, we begin Advent. During the next four weeks, we will get ready by decorating our home with symbols of light and beauty. We will prepare our sanctuary too, beautifying this room with greenery and lights, banners and candles, all of which we serve to remind us of who is coming and what we are celebrating. 
And in fact, you're invited to join a decorating party next Saturday about 10 or 11. Uh, we'll get together and um, we will put up wreaths and banners and all kinds of good things. So um, we'll make sure the time and send out an email letting you know. And I'll just say many hands make light worse. And it's a great way to get in the spirit. So we get ready by decorating, by making our homes and our churches beautiful. We also prepare our minds for Christ's coming. One way to do that is to take part in the Advent study that begins this week. You're invited to join with others on Wednesday at 1 or on Thursdays at 6 as we begin to look at Reverend Larry Peacock's book, The Living Nativity. Much like the upper room, which you'll find out in the narthex and is another option for you during Advent, this book offers scripture versions, verses, a reading, and a prayer for each day of Advent, as well as activities, um, many of them family-oriented, for each weekend. I have several copies of the book with me today if you wish to take part, even if you wish to do it at, just at home. That's another option for you, though I hope you come and share with us. Um, and if not, there are many, many other books that will help you to get ready with your mind. Most of all, we are to prepare our hearts for Christ's coming. How? Well, we might carve out some time each day in our busy schedules for a moment of prayer, a moment of contemplating what God bring is coming, what God coming means to us. Another way would be to enjoy a concert of sacred music or to join in the carol sing or the crush festival next weekend because music also lifts our spirits and helps us to connect with God. You can also create your own advent wreath at home and spend each time during the week talking about the meaning of Christmas with your family. And all of those things are helpful, but perhaps the best way to prepare our hearts to be for, for the coming of Christ, excuse me, is to be present in worship each week. Worship not only strengthens our relationships with each other as the body of Christ, but it also enriches our relationship with God. As we listen to scripture readings and sermons, share in the singing of hymns and carols, yes, there will be carols, and pray together. We are given the opportunity to engage with that scripture on a deeper level, to drink more deeply of the waters of faith, and to open our spirit to the spirit of God. And worship, I hope, also gives us something to take with us during the week. So let me get you started with some thoughts for this week. As you are getting ready to get ready, I encourage you to ponder three things. First, I encourage you to think about what acts as a king in your life. What demands your allegiance? What rules your thoughts and actions? Second, I encourage you to think about what it means to claim Christ as your king. How does Christ's kingship challenge you? How does it encourage you? How does it strengthen your faith? What does it call you to do or to be? And third, I encourage you to think about how ad, what Advent means to you. As you enter into this season, what do you long for? What do you hope for? What do you expect? 
What activities or rituals might you take on to enrich your faith? What might you give up in order to fully experience the season? How will you get ready for Jesus Christ? Three things. What acts as a king in your life? What does it mean to claim Christ as your king? And how will you get ready for his coming? I pray that indeed we will all look into our hearts and over the next four weeks prepare for that coming with joy, with hope, with expectation, with gratitude. Let us pray. God of all seasons, who is and was and who is to come, as we walk through the coming weeks, clear our minds and fill us with your grace and peace. Open our hearts to the heart of Christ, who loves us and frees us for life abundant. May we be ready for his coming as a child, as a king, as our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.